I want us today just to meditate over the Christian life, which is a transformed life. I would like us to share under the subject, a transformed life, a transformed life. I want us to share under the subheading or heading, a transformed life. Father, we thank you for your word. As it comes forth, Lord, anoint every word. Let it land on our spirits and transform us. We thank you because you've loved us. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Let us turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14. Deuteronomy 14. And verse 2. The Bible says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all nations that are upon the earth. For you, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath transformed thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Then we'll turn to Titus, the book of Titus. Chapter two and verse 14. Let's start from 13. Looking for the blessed hope, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And uh, finally, we look at uh, Peter, First Peter. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 
and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, those three passages that we have read are indicative of what has happened in our lives. They are indicative of what has happened in our lives, that some transformation has taken place. I will just finally crown it, crown the reading with the 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. 16 also. This one says, Know ye not, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So I would like us just to reflect over this. They do not form the best, the, the core of our reading. We will measure on Colossians chapter 3. That's where we'll be dwelling. But just as a, a background to what we are going to discuss, I wanted us to reflect over those four verses that we have just read. First, the first three verses, Deuteronomy, Titus, and Peter, have demonstrated clearly the purpose and the intention of God for your life. God has called us with the intent of setting us apart, making us a unique people. And he has used various words. He has used words peculiar uh, in fact, in some versions, if you go, it says chosen race, royal priesthood, dedicated nation. That's the amplified version. Special people. You know, it's not that God was overreacting in trying to identify us. You know, if you go to the world of politicians, because they are targeting certain certain thing, they can say praise you in very many ways. They can even tell you how you are the strongest person. You are the best teacher. In my country, they used to call the president teacher number one, farmer number one, everything he was number one. Of course, it was not true. But that's the world. And we can see now God here using very many words to describe you and me. Since you're a peculiar person, different from any other. Why? Because you're a child of God. He says, you are a royal priesthood. Elevates you to a new position in your life. A position of respect. A position that requires you to hold yourself with a lot of respect as you conduct your affairs. Since you're a chosen race throughout history, we have seen this issue kind of alienate the rest of humanity from a particular race. Time and again, some races have come up, they have said they're so special. Okay? And for that reason, they want to 
mistreat everybody else. We saw that in the early 40s, we read about it, how Hitler rose up and wanted to form a very special race of the German people, that everybody else to him was inferior. And you can see the havoc that it caused. But the almighty God says, you and I are a royal priesthood, a special race, a chosen race. You've been pulled out of the rest of the human kind for a very special reason. So there is a transformation that has taken place. Yes, we can have, we can still have two hands. We have our feet. And as Brother George the other day was talking about, our nose is not upside down. It is like every other person. So we are, we are just like everybody else. But in the eyes of God, there is something, a transformation that has taken place in your life that sets you apart. So I want you to be very confident of that. Maybe you're wondering, Brother Kenneth, are you not exaggerating? No. Gideon, if you remember the story about Gideon, Gideon saw himself like every other Jew, every other Israelite who was being harassed by those tribes. He was hiding in the cave, threshing his wheat because they were afraid. Every Israelite was afraid that their crop was going to be mishandled or kind of wasted by the enemies. So when the angel of God appears to Gideon, in the mind of Gideon, he knows, I am a weak person. I come from the weakest of the tribes of Israel. I'm not worthy anything. But the story in the eyes of God was different. The angel greets him. Valiant man. I'm sure even Gideon looked around and looked back, thinking probably there was another man standing behind him who was valiant, not he himself. Only to his surprise, there was nobody else. It was him. Then he asked the angel, but I, I can't be valiant. He was arguing with the angel. Can you imagine a human being? You are being told you are a very special person, but you are out to convince the other person that you are not special. He's the one telling you you are special, but you are convincing him I'm not. It, it shows you how we look at ourselves. So Gideon continues to convince the angel that no, maybe you have, gone, you have come to the wrong person. But this is a messenger from the almighty God. He's telling him, I, the almighty God, I have looked at you. I have seen you to be a special person. And that is why I have come to you because there is a special message for you. So in all these verses that we have, talked about, we have read, God is distinguishing you and I from the rest of humanity because there is something that has happened in our lives and this thing has set us apart from everybody else. But being set apart from everybody else is not just enough. At the time that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior in our lives, we enter into this special club, into this special, unique, peculiar race that God has set aside. He begins to recognize us in a different way. 
He begins to hold us responsible for certain things that he cannot hold other people responsible for. And so this morning, I would like us to begin to reflect over our lives and the responsibilities that go along with it. The fact that I am special in the eyes of God is not reason enough for me to sit back and just watch things take their course in my life. The fact that I belong to this royal priesthood is not, is not reason enough for me to take life lightly. The reason that Almighty God recognizes me as a nation that has set aside a special people belonging to spirit is not reason enough for me just to sit and say, ah, oh, God has already put a stamp. No. God requires that we humble ourselves, we conduct ourselves with respect to this position of honor that he has given to us. So this morning, I would like us just to go to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Most of our sharing will be picked from there. And we want to see the message that God is speaking to us in this context. If we read Colossians chapter 3, we start from verse 1. It says, If ye then, I want to take note of that, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, certain things are indicated from the verses that we have read. Certain things are indicated from the verses that we have read. One. The first statement, the opening statement says, if you have been, if ye then. In other words, since you have, God already qualifies. He says, I have no doubt the work of, trans of, of justification has been accomplished in your life. You're being purchased. You're being purchased from the world of sin. That I have no doubt. But then, God says, since I have already confirmed this aspect in your life, I am giving you responsibility. I am giving you responsibility. In other words, it means this work that God has accomplished in our life goes along with responsibility. Quickly, if you remember the Garden of Eden, God places Adam in that garden. He has prepared everything for him. But then again, he gives him a responsibility. He tells him, you have there are some things that I expect of you. 
And that is what is being repeated here. We are so keen to complain. We may not say, we may not verbalize it, but most times in our mind, sometimes we reflect and say, if only Adam had not done this, we would not be suffering. Especially when we are, we are suffering. How could Adam do this? After being given everything, how could he let God down? But how many times have you also let God down? It's easy to look at another person and complain. But God now is giving you and me the same responsibility. So let's see how, how we are fared in this responsibility. It says, verse 2, two things come out. Your focus must change. You must focus on the things which are above, things which are holy, things which are pure. As a child of God, having been purchased, God is calling unto you to focus on the things which are above. Those are things which are holy and pure. Says, which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. How often have we occupied ourselves, our focus in life? How, how frequently is it tuned to the holy things, things that are pure in the sight of God? Think about it. What fraction of your time is devoted on these things as a new, a child of God, as a peculiar person, as part of the royal priesthood? How many times are we occupied with a desire to live a holy life before God? Probably we only remember about purity in life and holiness in life when we see a Christian around us. Then it might, oh, I need to behave well. You know, now Christians are around. Oh, when it comes to a Christian meeting, probably that's when you remember, oh, we are, going, we are in a Christian place. So you begin to oh, behave well because now we are in the presence of Christians. Worse off, if you hear the voices of our pastors, maybe Pastor Francis. Pastor Abraham or Leslie speaking, then you, you begin to organize yourself to be holy, to think holy. Otherwise, in their absence, your mind is just loitering around. I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just challenging us, all of us. How frequently do we occupy ourselves, even in our place of work? Is it just our job? You know, there are sometimes that have I've prayed a, a very strange prayer sometimes. Thank God not many people have had that prayer. Because, yes, we are praying for jobs, but do you know sometimes the job can preoccupy your mind? Every time you're thinking of how to make your job successful, but you forget how to make your, your relationship successful with God. You are even in a prayer meeting, but you're planning on how you're going to work how you, the meeting should end and you go to do your work. It's possible because it has occupied your mind. But the Bible is saying, set, set your thoughts on the things that are holy, things that are spiritual, things above where Christ is seated on the right arm of the Father, a responsibility for a child of God. From today, 
take time every after 15 minutes, ask yourself, what have I been thinking of in the first 15 minutes? Have I reflected over the word of God? And it is possible. Sometimes you're walking around and you just see, you see, they look at the sky. Oh, how wonderful is the Lord God Almighty. How marvelous are his works. You know, this environment we are staying in, we are always confined in houses. We don't see the beauty of God outside. We are running away from the heat. Even that heat we need to thank God for. There are people living in very cold places. There's every reason for us to reflect over the glory of God in our lives every time. Our minds can be there. Second point that comes out of that, our passion our passion, the passion of our life, where is it inclined? The Bible says, set your affection on the things above, not on things on earth. What consumes our passion? In which direction are we inclined in our passions? Are there things that are spiritual, things that are holy, or things that just minister to our emotions and physical being. The scripture said here, if, if you then. So it means if you are not meditating on these things, if you are not reflecting, you are not occupied with this kind of zeal inside you, a passion that is inclined on the things of God, continually, a focus that is on the things of God continually in your life, then it, there is a doubt about your relationship, about the transformation that has taken place. I have no doubt you're born again. But what I'm saying is we have reached a new phase in our lives as Christians that requires us to take on personal responsibilities towards the goal that we have been called. This month we have been discussing about rewards. And when we were discussing, I was, I, was, I was trying to imagine when it says we should be careful on, with the material we use. So um, I was imagining probably that every service that I've been offering the house of God in the eyes of God is made of grass and straw. I was just imagining. So I'm passing through a fire. This fire is so selective. It doesn't consume me, but anything that is not of that quality that God requires is consumed. So I imagine I'm carrying a very heavy thing because the service that I've been offering in my own eyes has been so, so substantial. And then I emerge on the other end only to find my hands are empty. Nothing is there. It will mean my focus, my passion for the things of God was not up in the holy places. It was on earthly things. Probably I just wanted recognition. Probably I was out for competition. I wanted to prove I'm the best. So it was not counted worthy, meriting any reward. It was consumed. Let's be careful. And why is God telling us to have this kind of focus? The reason, one, is it because we have died to the world. We are dead. 
We have severed links with the world. Sometimes I like listening to versions of people who have had a near-death encounter, or some of them have claimed actually they've been dead, proclaimed dead for some time. But miraculously, God has restored them and they've come back to tell stories of the other world. Some of those stories are very similar, but sometimes they leave me wondering because it's like somebody's dead. He wants to communicate with us in this other side. He's speaking, but we can't hear. He wants to shake our hands, but it's not like he can hold us. So that means he has been delinked completely. He no longer belongs to this world. As much as he wants to, to do things in this world, it's not possible. It's not possible. And that is what the Bible is talking about here. Because we are dead to the past life, then therefore, we shouldn't bother ourselves trying to occupy ourselves with the things that are gone. It's the new things that we need to be occupying ourselves with. So we are talking about a life, a new life that has started in our lives. So in terms of responsibilities, I would like us to quickly go through some things here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, it says this. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out. I want us to underline that. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the aspect of working out, the scripture is not saying that we will work out. It's saying you work out. Kenneth, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I must guard my salvation. I must guard my salvation with fear and trembling. It is my responsibility. There are things I can pray God to help me, but at a certain stage, he expects me to take also step and action actively participate in realizing, bringing them to their realization. One of them is our salvation. We do not work for our salvation, but we work out our salvation. I'm not very good at language, but for, I mean, working out and working for may mean different things. So I am being a partner with God in my salvation. It's no longer just the responsibility. His responsibility was usher me into the house, into the royal priesthood. He completed that on the cross at Calvary. Now I am inside. I have got to work along with him, working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Romans 7, 18. Romans 7, 18. 
we see something coming out there. Paul was in this dilemma thing. He says, maybe let's start from 15. For that which I do, I allow, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would, would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I will not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I will not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then puts full stop. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, there's a reason why we read out this. The Bible has told us in the Philippians to work out our salvation. Fear and trembling. Then Paul comes to tell us something. Yes, I have focused my mind on the things of God, but I find this flesh fighting me. It wants me to continue in my old ways. So that is where the working out begins. I begin to seek for ways of overcoming my flesh. That is why elsewhere he says, I bring my body. I bring my body. That's 1 Corinthians 9.27. I, not God. I bring my body under subject, uh, subject to my authority. Let's read it. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul has realized, as writing in, in Romans, he begins to realize there is something worrying in me. Deep within, I have a passion. I have a passion for God. I have a focus on the things of God. But this flesh is fighting to dip me back into the mud. But he has said I should work out my salvation with fear and trembling. So it means I have got to bring this flesh subject to the authority. I have to put it subject to the authority. That is why the Bible says when we were baptized with Christ, we died 
The flesh dies at that moment. You acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You are actually declaring, I am crucifying you, my flesh, so that my passion for God, my focus for God will remain uncompromised. Praise the Lord. So that everything is subject. I want to hold on to this royal priesthood. I want to remain a peculiar person. God has given me a responsibility. He has given me the power to overcome sin in my flesh, to overcome other distractions so that my focus and my passion for him will remain undiluted. He's telling me, son, work out your salvation. He's also telling me that body that is waging war against you, that wants you to go back, causes you to covet, causes you to, 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 to envy, to try and struggle with things that you cannot change, that bring it subject and I've given you the authority to do so. In fact, he goes elsewhere and says, put to death, crucify. We shall come about across that later. So, so far, we are becoming partners in realizing the responsibility of our salvation. There is a part for me to play. There is a part for God to play. God is always ready, waiting for me to activate that partnership in this work so that we may become completely married with him and aligned to his purpose in my life. He's not doing it for himself. He wants me to be aligned to my Christian life so that the inner man may be transformed. So what is my role? My role as a child of God is to allow the spirit of God to manifest the work, transformative work that he has done in my life. And that I do in, through obedience to his word, through allowing him to take charge of my life. That's the part that I need to play. Not myself working, but allowing him, just giving him full permission to take charge. 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So, again, confirmation. These are things that we know, but it's good to remind ourselves so that we know the responsibility we have in this Christian life is not one to be taken lightly because there is a commission upon us as a royal priesthood to live and conduct ourselves in a manner that reflects that life that God has given to us. And so he's telling us here, since we are in Christ, since therefore, if any man be in Christ, so I can also say, therefore, if any man, I can reverse the statement and say this, if the old things have not passed away, and if everything is not new in your life, then it means you are not in Christ. That's one thing that we must challenge ourselves. If these things be found in my life now, envy, jealousy, and all that goes with evil nature in man, if it is found in me, 
then it means I am not in Christ. I'm disqualifying myself. And so that is why we need to, every time, evaluate our lives, assess ourselves as we go along. Am I still standing in the place of my calling? Am I still walking in, in, light, in the light of the words of, of the things of God or not? 2 Corinthians 7, 1. says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in fear of God. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Is the Bible saying, let God cleanse me? It's saying, let us cleanse ourselves. So it means I have to examine myself. Am I still clean? Am I still walking in the right path? If I'm not, then I've got to cleanse myself to reclaim my position in the royal priesthood. It's important for us to remind ourselves these things because when we talk about rewards, there are conditions that follow those rewards. It's not a question of just, I'm saved, so I'm getting. No, the rewards follow certain conditions. The crowns are based on certain conditions. One discussion that was very interesting in our cell meeting was, is there going to be classes in heaven? Because now some people are having very big crowns, good shining crowns, and I don't have, it means it's a distinction. The choice is yours. So you'll have nobody to complain to. If there will be classes, I want to be among the best. Because everybody has been given the same chance. True or false? Don't answer me because I said don't admit. So if the choice is yours, my brother, we can decide. We want to walk in accordance with the things of God. Dying to the past and living in accordance with the word of God so that we may win that best crown. So in other words, a Christian is not passive in salvation and sanctification process. Because what we are talking about purely sanctification, the justification is done in the moment of salvation. We must be willing participants and we must actively participate towards the full realization of what God's intentions are for our lives, our Christian lives. That responsibility is ours personal. It's not even for the husband, it's not for the wife, it's not for the children, it's not for the father. It is for you as an individual. A choice must be made. I want to live a life that is acceptable in the presence of God. Reward or no reward, but I want to live that life that will please my father in heaven. I want to focus my mind on the things that are above in heaven. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, 1. Ephesians 4, 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy 
of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Work worthy of the vocation. God is not working for you. The Bible is saying you work in a worthy way of the vocation wherewith ye have been called. A responsibility on your part. On my part. I have to ask myself, have I worked worthy of the Lord's calling? Am I working worthy of his calling today? Let us not abandon this responsibility. It has got far-reaching implication in our lives in the days to come. Let us not abandon it. Romans 6, 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness. Those people who used to drink before they were born again, will bear witness. Some of them had a special day where they used to meet. In my country, the common day is Friday. People say that's the day they go to drink. So after what? They pass through their drinking places. They take beer, whatever, alcohol, drinks. They are committed to that day. They have set aside an amount of money to be spent on that day. They have set aside time to be spent on such activities. I'm just using that as one example. And the Bible is trying to bring that point to us. In those days, you are committed to some things. Probably, you're a, a football fan. You don't want anybody to make calls on weekends. You're watching football or you're watching cricket, if somebody tries to make an appointment with you on that day, no, 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 brother, sorry, I'm not available that day. Why? No, 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 I'm not available. You don't explain, but you, you, because it's a commitment in your heart. This one is my time for watching cricket or football. In those days, the Bible is making it simple for us. Remember, you are so committed to useless things those days. Now, now, you've been transformed. Make a commitment to this new life. The one that was talked about in Colossians, being focused, having a passion for the things of God. Let that commitment be made by you. If you read that, by, in that verse, it says you. For us, you yielded yourself, your members, and made them servants to uncleanness, to iniquity, and to iniquity. Even so now, in a similar way, but reversed. Make your commitment to the things that are holy, things that are pure. Is it impossible? No, it's possible. Why? 
Paul was so zealous in the dead works, killing Christians, searching for them wherever to accomplish satisfaction to dead works. But when the Lord had mercy on him and transformed his life, what happened to that brother? His commitment shifted 180 degrees to God. He was willing to go to any extent for the sake of Christ. In the same way he was committed in the old ways, so he got committed to God. A commitment is required of you and me, this work that we are having. That's a responsibility that we have in this transformed life. It's not a life just to sit back and expect things to work out for themselves. No, there is a responsibility for you and me. Let's go back to Colossians. Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. Now, we are going to divide these works into two. The responsibilities. Colossians divides, chapter 3 divides them into two categories. One sounds more negative and it relates mainly to the things that we went through before. And the other set of responsibilities is more positive. It relates to our present life. So if you see from verse 5, the Bible says, remember it started with, if ye, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are about, which means now it's addressing people who are born again. So we go back to verse 5, and he says, oh, Kenneth, oh, bread of life, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Kill them. Have them die. The beauty of killing the old nature is that you don't interact with it. It is in the other side and you are on the other side. I remind you of so. You see, this is a clear instruction, brethren. Saul was given a similar instruction to go and destroy. You remember that? To go and destroy. Now, let me tell you why God used the word destroy. You know, he says in the scripture, a thief comes to steal here, to kill here, and to destroy. You remember that? Categories. A thief can steal you that is a, a gentle way of dealing with you. We can kill you, can destroy you, to make it easy for you. When you kill somebody, we have had armies kill people, and then they burn the bodies or throw the bodies in acid. They don't want any, any trace. You remember Osama bin Laden? They shot him. What did they do? They went to burn his remains and then went to scatter the ash. You can imagine what was in the minds of these people. Eh? The ash 
they thought maybe this ash can gather itself together and come back to life and it will haunt us. So they decided to scatter it so that by the time it gathers itself, it's too late. You can imagine, that's how destruction takes place. Somebody's already dead, you're not satisfied. You come and kill, I mean, you come and burn and crash and destroy, scatter. That's what the Bible is telling us. The pain of not taking those instructions as a child of God is so costly. Saul tested it. It was never good. We read about it. It was never good for him. The things that God speaks to you in your life, let them be destroyed. Don't allow them to live again. And they are mentioned there, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which he also walked. Remember they're reminding us, in which we also walked sometime when we lived in them. But now, but now we have been transformed. But now we have been transformed. Ye also put off all these in fact, it's giving us further instruction. Those have been killed. There's another set of things we need to put off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filth, communication, filthy communication out of our mouth, lies, and so forth. That's another set of things that need to be put off from our lives. A responsibility. I want you to take note of the words that are being used. But now, ye, but now, Kenneth also put off. Hmm? Kenneth, mortify, therefore, members of your body. Some responsibility on your part. You must take action on this. As we come to the end of this, I want just to list four things, four steps that we need to reflect over as we go on from these verses. And this pertains to the positive responsibilities. From verse 9, the Bible says, Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. God require us, requires us to take a step of acquiring knowledge, knowledge of him that will make our foundation sound in our Christian faith. We have laid off the old man, thank God that has been done. But there's another responsibility, acquiring the knowledge of the things of God, a responsibility on your part, a responsibility on your part. I read Colossians 1 verse 9, a prayer that Paul was offering and said, for this cause we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why does Paul pray for the Colossians to be filled with this knowledge? Verse 10, that he might walk worthy of the, of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. Can you see? 
The reason why we are acquiring knowledge, why we need to, is fast, so that we may walk a life worthy of the vocation. Two, that we may be pleasing in the sight of God. Three, that we may be fruitful in every work that we give. And four, we may increase more in the knowledge. Five, that we be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering. All these things are possible if we seek the knowledge of the things of God. Praise the Lord. We have a responsibility. Number two, so the first responsibility is that of acquiring knowledge, acquiring knowledge of God to understand so that those things become, will become fruitful. We work worthy of the calling that we have been. Number two, we want to talk about the pro, how do we progress in that, in that, in that which we have acquired. Verse 10 tells us this. Verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, scythian, bond, not free, but Christ is all and in all. The Bible is talking about the coming into Christ-like nature. Now, in those old days, there were those categories. A Jew was distinct from a Greek. Barbarian was distinct from Scythian. Okay, the history about those people is very terrifying, those two second two groups, barbarians and Scythians, but there was a distinction. Then there's a distinction between slaves and the, so the Bible is telling us leave these class wars in the church, these categories, groupings in the church. We want to come into the body of Christ, likeness of Christ Jesus in our lives. Praise the Lord. We want to come into that likeness. Second Corinthians 4 16. 2 Corinthians 4 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outman perish, yet the in man, inner man, inward man is renewed day by day. So we have been renewed into the likeness of Christ. We have been renewed into the Christ, likeness of Christ. Ezekiel 47.3 talks of a scenario. This is a man who walks into a place and then water starts, the story is coming out of the water flowing. He measures a thousand cubits and the water is angled deep. Then another, and when the man that had a line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and me through the waters. The waters were the angles. Then another thousand, a thousand cubits, we see the water is knee deep. And then another thousand cubits. The water is waist deep. Then another thousand. The water is large enough for him to swim. It is terrible swimming in water that is angled deep. Your stomach will be on the ground already. So you cannot swim. But as you go deeper in the things of God, in the knowledge of the word of God, you have got an opportunity now to practice your skills of swimming. It becomes easy to swim. Praise the Lord. Seek the knowledge of the word of God. That's how we progress in our transformed life. That's how we progress in our transformed life. It will enable us to walk worthy of the Lord. Uh, 
Second Timothy 3.16 talks of all scripture is inspired and is good for instruction, correction of error, discipline in obedience, training, righteousness, reproof, and conviction. So again, our progression in this work in the transformed life depends on the acquisition of knowledge of the word of God. We need to seek that. That's our responsibility. Not the responsibility of the pastor, but for you and me. The last point, the third one, is partnership. We had talked about classifications, those barbarians and such. Such a thing is ruled out from the body of Christ. A transformed life will not emphasize on divisions in the church. It will emphasize on unity of the body of Christ. We have a new identity. Take note of 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 16, we now have a new body that compels us to be one in Christ Jesus, right? Ephesians 2, 13 to 14. Ephesians 2, 13 to 14 talks of the broken wall of separation. It has been broken. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no barbarian, there's no Scythian, there's no slave, there's no master, there's no man, there's no female. We are one under the blood of Christ Jesus, right? And finally, final thing, to the verse 12 of Colossians 3, we can pick it out from verse 12 of Colossians 3. It says, put on therefore as elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So what are we talking about in this part? That the transformed Christian life requires us to exhibit these qualities. And if you see all of them, the, the life of Christ was an example of the same. Full of mercy, full of kindness, full of humility, peace. Indeed, he was referred to as the Prince of Peace. He was forgiving. The lady, the Samaritan woman, is being accused. The other one caught in fornication is being a, adultery is being accused, but he says no. If you have not seen, be the first one to throw the first stone. Okay? And finally, the Bible tells us to crown ourselves with love. To crown ourselves with love. That is what we want to reflect over as children of God. So in summary, yes, you have been born again. Yes, you are a child of God. But this transformation that is taking place in your life, you have a responsibility as a child of God to work with God, to work along with God until it comes to fruition. If we are expecting those rewards and crowns, our responsibility must be taken seriously. May God bless you so much.